This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Um, you know, uh, this past week, uh, my wife and I, we uh, celebrated a milestone. We, we just crossed over 18 years of marriage, which is pretty cool, right? That's so good. 18 years, it's, it's pretty, pretty great. I mean, you know, for some of you, um, that's longer than you've been alive. And then for some of you, um, you're looking at that like, dude, that ain't nothing compared to what I've got under my belt. So I know that. I know that. that we're all different places on this whole thing. And, and if that is you, I just want to uh, applaud you and say well done for, for choosing to stay together as long as you have. Can we just give those a hand that have, have stuck it through? I think... I know um, that that requires, it requires something. And so thank you for um, just choosing to stay faithful, choosing to stay committed. Um, it's not easy. Um, my wife and I, uh, we've, we've learned some things over the course of time. One of them is that um, uh, communication is really important. Um, and being able to give the right information is really important. And we learned this one once again as we had decided to go camping. Um, we, we went off, and, um, and my son, my oldest son, Ethan, he was three at the time. Marcelo, our youngest, was one at the time. And so um, here we are, you know, when you camp with that, that young ones, you got everything that you bring with you, right? And so we've got everything at the campsite. And we thought it'd be a great idea because right there, there were all these beautiful hikes that were around. And so we just decided, like, it'd be good to go do one of those hikes. And so uh, I was in charge of picking it and making some selections. And so I, I selected one of them. And Michelle said, said okay, so she's, wow, excuse me. She said, great. So like, um, how far is it? And I said, oh, it's three miles. She said, kind of thought about it. Ethan's age, Marcelo. Okay, let's do this. So I, I put Marcelo in my little hiking pack that I had going on. Ethan was, was walking beside us. And can I tell you, like, we just had a grand old time as we went out. Um, it was just beautiful. The, the, it was like these meadows that we were walking out into. The whole trip was just kind of downhill as we were headed in. I mean, literally just kind of strolling in. It was amazing as we went in. It was, it was beautiful. And as we, as we kind of strolled around, we stopped and we had lunch, and, and it was awesome. And there was a, kind of a cabin that we knew was sort of like the midway point. And as we got out to where the cabin was, there was this guy who was starting to walk back past us. And Michelle asked the guy, so she said, so um, is there a shortcut back um, on the way that we're going? Because it kind of seems like we've been out here for a while. And he said, oh, no, um, what you're going to do is you're going to wrap around this cabin here, and as you go back, it's, it's just three miles back. And my wife gave me a look in that moment, <laughs> and I knew I was in trouble, but I didn't know what I was in trouble for. And she made it very clear. She said, when I asked you how long the trip was, that meant round trip. So can I tell you that the uh, second half of the trip was not as fun as the first? <laughs> of course, Ethan was getting tired and started to fall asleep, so she's having to carry Ethan out going uphill the entire way. It was brutal. So can I tell you that it's also important that she always asks anytime you go on a trip from now on, you know that there's a question that's asked, right? <laughs> One way or round trip. Absolutely. Because we know this to be true. To have the right information, it is so vital. It is so important, isn't it? We live in an age and a day, if you turn on any kind of social media or any news, there's a word that you hear so often, isn't it? The word misinformation. Anybody heard that? 
Of course you have. If you're breathing, you've probably heard it. And I don't care what side of issues, where, however you feel about all the different things that are going on throughout this day, there is misinformation apparently being given from both sides of the situation. You can be on either side, and misinformation is being, being cast upon what, the opposite side. So misinformation is there. And so we felt like it was really important for us to step into a conversation in this series called I Am, because we really felt like it was important for you and for us to be able to allow someone to be able to speak about who he is, and that someone is Jesus. That instead of having a pastor come and tell you, um, hey, here's what Jesus has to say, or here's what we think about Jesus, it seemed like it would be really important for Jesus to be able to say what he has to say about himself, to hopefully minimize some of the misinformation about who he is. You know, I know that for some of you, as you come into this place today, as the pressures of life continue to press in on you, your relationship with Jesus, you're kind of teetering on it, aren't you? As things continue to press in, there's a sense of, am I going to continue to follow Jesus? I know that for some of us, we're in a spot in which we're exploring, is this Jesus even worth following? Because the versions of Jesus that I've had, I'm not quite sure who he is. And if that's who you are this morning, I want to know you're in the right place because we get to hear what Jesus has to say about himself. And you see, that's really important in this day and age because we've got a lot of people talking about who Jesus is. You know that? Many people who call themselves spiritual leaders. Did you know that a spiritual leader can be right in front of God and not know it? And if that's the case, what kind of God will they represent to the people that they lead? Will it be the God of the Bible? Will it be the God in his fullness? Or will it be the version that they want to uphold and want to offer? You see, that's happening throughout our entire society right now, isn't it? It's not new to us, is it? No, you see, there was a moment in which that very same thing took place a long time ago. You see, there's a moment where Jesus had walked into a town, and when he did, there was a blind man that was there on the side of the road. And Jesus, he healed him. And this wonderful conversation takes place between the disciples and Jesus. But what ends up happening in the town is that this blind man, all of a sudden, it was known all over, this man was healed. And he was brought before the religious leaders of the day. And he's in what's in the synagogue. He's in the Jewish church. And they're having this dialogue back and forth, these religious leaders and this blind man. And they're saying, who is it that healed you? And the blind man's saying, look, I'm not sure who healed me. But what I do know is that I couldn't see before, and now I can. So I'm going to go with that. How about that? And as they're going back and forth and having this conversation, they're saying, like, look, I don't, we don't like what it is that you're saying. We don't like what it is that you're saying about this guy. You're out. We're kicking you out of the synagogue. You're done. You're out. It would be like kicking somebody out of the church today. And so this blind man, well, who can now see, he's starting to walk, and it seems like he doesn't get too far because all of a sudden, this other guy shows up. It's Jesus. And he starts to have this conversation with this blind, this blind, newly seeing man. He starts to have this conversation with him. And as he does, it's very clear that Jesus is aware who's around him. It's not just the blind man. It's the religious leaders that kicked him out as well. And as he's speaking to this blind man, 
This blind man actually comes to believe in Jesus. He's like, ah, I know who you are. I can see you. I choose to put my trust in you. And Jesus says, yeah. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? And I'm going to paraphrase here. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's amazing how you were blind and now you can see. But there are people who say that they can see, but they're actually blind. And the religious leaders, they heard this and they knew exactly who he was talking about. And so they come to him saying, are you saying that we're the ones who are blind? And Jesus, in this moment, he's like, I'm going to try to help you understand who's in front of you. And so he launches in. He says, I am the gate. And if that sounds really odd to you, Jesus being a gate, I'm going to let you know that sounds really odd to me too. So we're in the same boat if that's where you're at. And if you are, I want to encourage you, check out last week's message because Tom killed it on that. To talk about Jesus being the gate. But the people that were there, they weren't quite getting what was going on. They weren't quite getting this this metaphor of a gate. And so Jesus is like, okay, we're not getting this. You're not catching this. Let me try a different one for you. Let's see if this is one that we can hold on to. He expanded on it. I just want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles, you can feel free to turn to John chapter 10, because that's where we're going to camp on this morning. And in this spot, this is what you'll see in verse 11 as you're turning there. It says this, Jesus says that I am, what does it say he is? The the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. In essence, Jesus wanted them to know what kind of man was standing in front of them. You see, when those people heard the phrase good shepherd, they knew what that meant. They might not have understood the gate, but they knew what the good shepherd meant. You see, when Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, he wasn't just kind of going the difference between goodness and evil. He was talking about the difference between divinity and humanity. He was letting them know in that statement that I am the Messiah. When these people heard Jesus say, I am the good shepherd, those people had been around. They had been in the synagogue. They had heard the religious leaders teach. The religious leaders have read those scrolls over and over and over again about from words from Isaiah. When God had said through the prophet Isaiah, he said, yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. They would have remembered this. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will do what? Could you read this green part with me? He will feed his flock like a shepherd. Hmm. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. They knew what Jesus meant when he said that he's the good shepherd. They knew that he was claiming that he was God. He is the Messiah, and he was standing right in front of them. And he had every ability to be able to say those words, to be called the good shepherd, because he embodied the full nature of who God was. They were able to see, and we were able to catch a glimpse of who this Jesus is. And what we come to see is that this God is a God who is committed to our salvation. He is absolutely committed to our salvation. God is stubbornly wanting salvation to take place in our hearts. And he will do whatever it takes to see that it happens. 
Jesus goes on to, to kind of contrast himself between himself and other kinds of leaders. And he says this in verse 12. He says, a hired hand will run when he sees the wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. So the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money, and he doesn't really care for the sheep. Jesus is saying, yeah, you know what? I am the good shepherd, and I'm here, and I'm committed. But do you remember who's just right in earshot? The other religious leaders. Can you imagine what was going on in their mind when, they said, when he said this to them? Yeah, there's some other shepherds that also exist, and they don't care about the flock. All they care about is money. You want to talk about ruffling some feathers? Jesus is so amazing that he can take a simple statement like that and in one statement proclaim the commitment of Jesus, while on the other hand, condemning these guys for the actions that they're taking against the people. You see, here's the deal. I don't know about you, but when I read passages like this and I see something about a shepherd and a flock, it's easy for me to think about the way that pastors can be. Does your mind go there at all? Yeah, you think about pastors and the way that they can be about money and, and just be about just, just the job itself. And can I be honest with you? There are days, difficult days, when sometimes I feel like, wait, why am I doing this? When emails come, when angry letters come, when people are difficult to deal with, sometimes I have to come back to that spot and go, oh, yeah, this is why I'm in this game. But can I also suggest something to you? Later on, there's an author in the scriptures. His name is Paul. And you know what he says about every believer? You know what he calls them? He calls them a royal priesthood. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a royal priest. You're part of a royal priesthood, which guess what? This conversation that Jesus is having about shepherds, is no longer just about the people who stand on stage. It's about every single person who calls themselves a follower of Christ. Do you know that you are a spiritual leader? Do you know if you're a dad, are you a husband? If so, you're meant to be the spiritual leader of your home. Are you a mom? Are you a wife? You're meant to share in that leadership. Do you have a friend that you were leading someplace further in their relationship with Jesus than where they were before? Maybe they don't know him, and you're just helping introduce them to the, the reality that Jesus is real. Maybe you're in a spot in which you're just helping somebody learn a little bit more about who Jesus is. If so, you're a spiritual leader. You might not like that title, but that's the reality of the situation. And so where the conversation starts to move is not so much if you're a spiritual leader, but what kind of spiritual leader are you if you're a believer in Christ? Are you, are I, are we going to live in such a way that we live committed to seeing salvation take place in the people's lives that we have an opportunity to influence? Or will we be like these religious leaders who only are about that work when it's convenient, when it's easy, when it's on their own time schedule, and when it's about their agenda? Am I stepping on toes? If so, just know that mine were stepped on first. 
You see, it's something that we all have to wrestle with because God is committed to offering us salvation. But see, here's the deal. The salvation was never meant to just be just for us. God's vision for salvation is so much bigger than that, than us. It's so much grander than just us. He has something else so much in mind. And this is what Jesus says in verse 14 as we continue to unfold what Jesus says about himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And then he goes on to say this, I have other sheep Two that are not in the sheepfold. Let that sink in. I have other sheep too that are not in this in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock, and there will be one shepherd. You see the picture here that Jesus is trying to help these people see. This idea of a flock is like a courtyard. And what he's talking about, he says it's as if the shepherd has left one courtyard and has called out the sheep in that courtyard. And as he's standing out in this new space, he's calling sheep from another courtyard as well to come from where they're at and join him in what it is that he's doing. That first flock are the Jews. And he said, I'm calling them out, but I have other people from a different flock. And that other grouping is a grouping called Gentiles. Now, if you're new to scripture, new to Bible, you're still just trying to figure out this whole, all the language of of Christianity. Gentiles is a word you come across quite often in the New Testament. And what it simply means is this. There's two categories in scripture. Either you're Jewish or you're not. That's it. And if you're not, guess what you're called? A Gentile. So if you're not Jewish, you're part of that whole thing. And Jesus says, I have people that are not yet a part of this flock that need to be a part of it. I must go after them as well. A commentator speaks on this. I love what he has to say. He says, Jesus was foreshadowing apostolic times when his gospel would be taken to non-Jews meaning the Gentiles. It's, some t- it's something that would take place through the preaching of his disciples, you and me. Then all people would hear his voice, believe in him, and be incorporated into the body of his disciples. And listen to this. Believers from different races would become one flock, a church made up of Jews and Gentiles, led by one shepherd, speaking of Jesus himself. You see, folks, Jesus' message is so countercultural. It's so huge because the gospel of Jesus flies in the face of any ideology that would try to make race the thing that we identify ourselves by. I said it years ago, and I'll say it again, that it's not our race, it's not our medical diagnosis, it's not our mental diagnosis, it's not our social standing that defines us. Those things become second place. All of those come second place. Those are categories that come second place to the primary identity, to the primary category that we are meant to hold as believers in Christ. And that is this, that you are a follower of Christ. That's right, Mario. You are a child of God. That's the identity that we're supposed to hold on to. 
And so with all the craziness that's going on in our world, we need to understand how to navigate it. Yeah, I want you to see me as a black man. I hope you do. If somebody's really tall, I hope you recognize they're really tall. It's just the reality of life. Don't deny it. Don't act like it's not there. But more importantly than you ever see me as a black man, may you know Christ in me first. That's the thing that matters most. That's what defines us as a people. And if we don't get that right, we are in a world of hurt people. That is the identity that we are meant to hold on to. And anything that teaches otherwise is contrary to what this good shepherd was all about. He had a message for his people, and we were meant to hold on to that. It's what he came to do, to give us this new identity. And he invites every single one of us to be a part of it. He wants everybody to be in. So maybe you're here, or maybe you're online, and you find yourself in the other courtyard. The courtyard, Jesus is moving in a certain direction, and you're recognizing you're not a part of it right now. Jesus wants to let you know why it's worth leaving that place and joining him. He makes it real clear. Because Jesus does something that's so unique in our world. He knows how to wield power. You see, in a world where power is so abused, where it's so corrupt, Jesus uses his power sacrificially for salvation. He uses it sacrificially. As Jesus finishes his monologue, I want you to just listen for how Jesus talks about power and how he uses it. He says, the Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I can take it back up again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have authority to lay it down when I want to, and I also can take it back up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. That's what Jesus has to say about himself. And so I ask you, do you hear how Jesus uses power? There's a word that he uses over and over and over and over again throughout this passage of calling himself the good shepherd. It's a word that starts with an S and ends with sacrifice. <laughs> time and time and time again. John 10, 17 says, I sacrifice myself, so, my life, so I may take it back up again. John 10, 18 says, I sacrifice it voluntarily. John 10, 15 says, I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I mean, think about how we use power in our world. Think about how we see power being used. It's used for people's own agenda. It's used for people to be abusive to their children. It's used for our own fleshly impulses. And think about how Jesus could have used his power. He could have destroyed us completely. He had all power to do it. He could have set himself up as king right then and there and bask in the glory for that moment. He could have done it. He could have used his power to force you to choose him. But he didn't use his power in that way. Instead, the message of Jesus is that he is the good shepherd because he uses his power to sacrifice his life so that you can be in relationship with the Father. 
He lays down his life so that you no longer have to be in bondage to sin, to death, to hell, to slavery, to addiction, to shame. You can be set free. That's why he came. That's why he died. And that's how he uses his power. And the people that heard that that day, what do you do with that? And I ask you, as Jesus has an opportunity to represent himself and say, this is who I am, what are you doing with that? You see, it was sort of a mixed reception. But we all have a choice how we're going to respond, don't we? That's the beauty of the gospel. You get a choice how you respond. See, the scriptures let us know when Jesus shared about who he was and tried to make it as clear as he, as he possibly could. This is what, how the text ends in John chapter 10, in this section. It says, when he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said, he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? And others said, this doesn't sound like a, a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? You see, we're really left with two choices, aren't we? As Jesus presents himself to you, you're left with two choices. Either you write him off as a crazy man, a demon-possessed man who doesn't know what he's talking about, or you take a look at what he's done, the evidence of his life being invested in people and changing people's hearts and lives, and you say, what do we do with that? That's what they did that day. Maybe you're joining online. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I, I, I don't know about Jesus' healing. I haven't seen it. Well, I want to encourage you. If that's you, before you leave this place, I want to challenge you. Would you have a conversation with somebody in this place? Because if you do, you hear stories about how Jesus heals. About how Jesus heals physically. About how Jesus heals us on the inside. About how he heals us emotionally about how he heals us in ways that we could never sometimes even bring a fullness of expression to. Jesus still heals the day, folks. It wasn't just a one-time event for that blind man. He does it day in and day out. Maybe you're online and you're in that spot. I encourage you to jump on the chat and the host will put on there, I, I raise my hand. Maybe you just raise your hand because you're saying, I need to hear the message about how God heals today. And that host will speak to you because they have a story to tell. Jesus continues to heal today. And so for you, maybe you're here, and as you hear about this good shepherd, you're saying, I want to leave the courtyard where I'm at, and I want to join him. I need life. I need out of this slavery to bondage to sin that I'm in. I need to be done being stuck and trying to make life work on my own. I need out. I need Jesus. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Some of us are in this place and we find ourselves in a spot where if we're going to be honest, We've been living life for ourselves, and I get it. 
There's so much that, that's been happening in our world. There's so much turmoil that we've really made this Christianity thing about our own selves and our own terms. But we hear the calling of Jesus, that he's headed in a direction and he invites us to go with him. And so we're going to receive communion in just a few moments. So I invite you to, to go ahead and prepare your elements. If you're online, if you want to take a moment to go ahead and grab um, a cracker or something, grab some water, we're going to receive communion in just a moment. Before we do, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us that are in a spot to say, I need to say yes to Jesus. I want to pray for us that are in a spot to say, I need to repent because this has been about myself lately. And I need the life of Christ being lived through me in such a way that I see the world and I go after the world that he has called me to because I am part of a royal priesthood. So wherever we're at, in here, online, would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning giving you thanks for sending your Son and revealing the nature of who you are. God, it, it's an overwhelming thought to think that you are committed to our salvation, that you see us in our sin and our shame and our guilt and all the times that we rail against you, and yet you keep coming, you keep pursuing, you keep coming after us. It causes us to examine our life and we see places in which we live into that well and, and Holy Spirit, you're speaking to us about places where we fall short. And in those places, Lord, we repent. We ask for your forgiveness. And fresh and anew this day, we say, God, we want to be about your kingdom, about your business, and not just about our own comfort. Jesus, I, we have some friends here this morning. They're in a spot where they're ready to leave the courtyard they've been in and to join you. And if that's you, I just want to invite you to join me in this prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. I'm done trying to make my life work. I give it to you. I join you where you're at, right here, right now. I want to be set free. I want to know the power that you have available. I recognize all the things you could have done with your power, but you sacrificed your life for me. Today, in this moment, in this moment, right here, right now, I choose you. And I thank you, Jesus, that you come into my heart come into my life, being right here, right now, my Lord and my Savior.